Well, we have been going through the book of Acts. So take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at it very, very quickly, just to kind of give you a a little reminiscence of uh, some of the places, some of the places where they preach the gospel. See, a lot of people think when you preach the gospel at church, or if you have a Friday night soul winning, that's when you do it. Or if you go on Thursday night visitation, like a lot of churches do, that's when you do it. But I think you come out better if you just be ready to preach the gospel wherever you have an opportunity. And it doesn't matter what time. Now, what I did this one time in church, I had everybody who trusted the Lord on a Monday to stand up. Then I had whoever trusted the Lord on Tuesday and Wednesday. I did everything. And I said, now see there, somebody trusts the Lord every day of the week. I said, now let's just take a look. What time of the day did you trust the Lord? So if you trust the Lord at 7 o'clock in the morning, raise your hand. Somebody did I went through every hour. Somebody had trusted the Lord. So it didn't matter what day it was. It didn't matter what hour it was. Somebody got saved. And then it said, let's try to find out where you trust the Lord. And so different ones would tell where they trust the Lord. And it's amazing. You study the book of Acts and you'll find out that people trust the Lord just about everywhere. And so whenever he sent his disciples out in the book of Matthew chapter 10, he said, and whatsoever city you enter into. Or whatsoever house you enter into. See, with the Lord, it really doesn't matter what city you go to or what house you enter. You still give them the same message. He gave them a message and says, this is what you do. And so he says, those that are worthy, you can spend some time with them. And those that are unworthy, when you get to the end of the sidewalk, (laughs) shake the dust off your feet. In other words, those that were worthy were those who trusted Christ as Savior. It was worthy of you to stay with them and abide with them and so forth. But if they don't trust the Lord, move on. Move on. Don't let somebody who rejects the gospel be like a, a gristle in your throat and then you, you die. Well, I'll never witness again. They treated me bad. They said something against me. You don't let that bother you. You just keep on moving. And so whatever city, that's why it doesn't matter if I was in Georgia. It doesn't matter if I'm here in Tampa. It doesn't matter if you're out there in Colorado. It doesn't matter if you're in Neocho, Missouri or Wherever you, go, wherever you go, this is what you do. And so this is what you say, and you give the gospel. But in verse 14, it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice. Now, he's talking to some men here, and they came from different nations on this special occasion, but he gave the gospel there. He explained it. And how many trust the Lord on Peter's first sermon? Anybody remember? How many trust the Lord that first time? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Like I've never said it before. I never told anybody. Look there in verse 41. Verse 41. Verse 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about how many? 3,000. Now, this is when the Holy Spirit came. Remember, the, the law is death. The Spirit is life. So when the Holy Spirit came... Everybody, 3,000, got life. Now, whenever the law was given at Mount Sinai, about 3,000 died. Just a coincidence, ain't it? The law killeth, but the Spirit maketh alive. And so, here's you got people that trusted Christ as Savior, and so they had eternal life. Now, look in chapter 3 very quickly. Chapter 3. And look in verse, well, let's just look there very quickly in verse 2. 
This is about the ninth hour of the day. So you're talking about three o'clock, something like that in the morning. So they go into the gospel. I mean, to the, uh, the temple. And in verse 2, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So here, they're going into the temple. They hadn't got in there yet. But outside, there was somebody, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And uh, first time I took Trina and Eddie, and Eddie was really small, might about four years old. And... Uh, David, we would go outside and go down into Mexico. So I gave each one of them some money. You know, just a little bit to spend. So we're walking down the thing, and next thing you know, they come running to me and says, Daddy, we need some more money. I said, what did you do with the money I gave you? Well, uh, Daddy, all those people are asking for money. And so their heart went out, and so they gave them all their money. They come asking me for some more. I said, those, some of those are professionals. I said, now you can't help every one of them. Or daddy can't supply the needs of all of these people. But they had a heart of compassion. I was glad they had that. It's just they were doing it with my money. But anyway, <laughs> alms for the poor, alms for the poor. Now, you know, you drive down the streets and you'll see, you get ready to stop at the red light and you have people that are standing there with their little sign and so forth. That get, and uh, it's amazing. Probably a lot of them are not looking for work. I've seen the same people out there for five, six years. That's their corner. And that's where they go to work. <laughs> they are working. They're going to work. And they walk up and down. And so alms for the poor. Well, this man was laid there. And then Peter and John comes by and says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. So it's wherever you are. Being in the way the Lord led me. It's as we go, wherever we go, be willing to, to talk to individuals and do what you can. It's better to do something than do nothing. And I, like I've said before, a poor presentation of the gospel is better than no presentation of the gospel. So some people say, well, I just can't do it perfectly like you. Well, do it for about 40 years and you'll get the knack of it. Now, also to look there in um, chapter 3, verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel at this? Why look so steadfastly on me as though I did some great thing? Now, this is what... God has done. You see, you just simply do what God wants you to do, where God tells you to do it, and just be found faithful. Don't seek to be great. Don't look for the return to come in the mail. Just do right, and God will bless you for doing so. Uh, look now in uh, chapter 5. Chapter 5 and verse 27. Chapter 5, verse 27. You'll find out that um, God has got things that he wants us to do, and uh, Peter has broken the law, so he was placed in jail. And so um, he makes a statement that they were um, going to talk to them. But look in verse 26. And he says, Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. So they had gone out, met with people and so forth, and they were teaching and standing in the temple teaching the people. Verse 27, and when they had brought them out, it says, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. So they went everywhere and they filled the whole place with this doctrine. Jesus Christ came back from the dead. He was the son of God. 
and talked about the resurrection, talked about the gospel, and people trust the Lord. And so um, you can preach and do what God wants you to do just about anywhere you want to go. Can you witness to the wrong person? Well, I don't want to witness to the wrong person. I've had people tell me, I don't want to witness to the wrong person. Oh, you are so holy and godly, aren't you? Wouldn't it be a shame to tell somebody how to go to heaven? Oh, it was a mistake. God didn't want that person to hear it. Can you witness at the wrong time? Well, you might want to wait until they stop eating. Uh, there's a little bit of wisdom that you have to apply here and there, but uh, you can do that. Uh, look in chapter 8. Look in chapter 8. Chapter 8, and you'll notice down in verse 26, here's Philip, and he's in a, a big revival meeting and uh, in the city of Samaria, and he's preaching Christ. People are responding. Great things are happening. Great joy in verse 8. But verse 26, the Lord, the Lord knew about one person in one place. Now, sure, there's a lot of people, but what about the people that are not in the city where you can catch a lot of fish? Sometimes there's little places here and there, little places there, and God has, uh, he needs somebody to go there. So here's Philip in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. This is why I left Lee Patton in the middle of a desert <laughs> down in Arizona in 1968 because there was somebody that he was supposed to witness to. <laughs> I don't know who it was. I never saw them. <laughs> but surely there had to be somebody there to justify why I left him in the middle of a desert. But we did because that was what he wanted to do. He was going one direction. I was going another direction. And he wound up going to California and then down into San Antonio. And I go up there to uh, Colorado. And we both started a ministry. And it's, uh, it's amazing how God has worked in our lives. You know, that's 49 years ago. That was 49 years. That's a long time ago. And the more I think about it, it gets longer and longer. Long time ago. But he says, I want, here, think about this. He's in a city, a lot of people. But there was one man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. An Ethiopian eunuch. And he's on his way back. And he was in charge of the treasury. He was a financial secretary. And he's on his way back. And he's out there in the middle of a desert. Isn't it amazing that God can take this man, Philip, and this man that's out there in the desert and make their paths cross and bring them together. Now, do you believe in the providence of God? I do. That God can bring them together at the right time. And the thing is, though, he only had to go about 100 miles. And then on top of that, he didn't have his GPS with him. He didn't have a little thing that says north, east, south, and west on him. I could have gave him mine. I got a new one last night. And just think, now he's, he's got to get out there in the middle of, and find a guy in the middle of a desert. Would you like that job? And so the Lord can bring them together at the right time. right? Place. And the Bible says he ran. He ran. I mean, if, if God is God, why couldn't he give him a Ferrari? You know, or something to kind of zoop around in. I remember out in Colorado one time, there was this guy named Fred Bandemir. And there was a Sam Bandemir. But Fred Bandemir had a a Trans Am type car. I mean, it was a super duper powerful little low hanging thing like somebody had stepped on the car and it was, but it was a, a hot rod. And I had to go to South Dakota, Pine Ridge, South Dakota and speak in an Indian camp. And my car wasn't available. Well, it wasn't running. <laughs> and I needed a car. So he let me use that car. 
that thing would fly. Oh, would it fly. And I let it fly. And uh, nobody picked me up. I mean, I was, there was times when I used to break the law a little bit. And not much, just a little bit. And so, man, I flew up there. It was 400 and something miles I had to go for Bible study. Have the Bible study and then come back. Now, a round trip, that's almost 1,000 miles that I went for a Bible study. You say, why in the world would you do that? That's nothing. When I lived in Athens, Georgia, you know how far it is to Athens, Georgia from Tampa? 500 miles. I did it 12 times coming down here. Preach on a Sunday morning, turn around after church on Sunday morning, and drive all the way back. Remember? I did the same thing one time for my aunt and uncle. I drove all the way to Virginia to see my aunt and uncle because I wanted to make sure they trusted the Lord. And um, we were living down here in Florida. I drove all the way up through Georgia, all the way up there to see my aunt and uncle and talk to them about the Lord. Ain't Eileen and Uncle Merle. And when I got there, they didn't want to hear it. <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> Evidently, they didn't care. <laughs> and I couldn't get It made me so bad. I broke my heart, though, because I, I wanted to make sure they were going to go to heaven, but they didn't want to listen to it. And I felt I didn't travel this far and talk, just to talk to them, and they didn't want to listen to it. Later on, they moved to Georgia, a little place called Lexington, and wound up going to a church that was started by Gordon Roden. And he was from FBC, clears a bell, and my aunt and uncle wound up going to that church. And he got to hear the gospel over and over and over again. So I imagine they dressed up because I think they joined the church there. Surely they dealt with him enough to, to find out. But my aunt was, well, she was different. She loved Saturday night wrestling. They had wrestling on every Saturday night. And she would get all excited, and she would watch the wrestlers. And she was in the ring, and she would be twisting their necks, and she would be hollering and yelling and screaming. Uncle Merle just sat there nice and quiet. But she was, she was alive. And so one Saturday night, she's watching the, the Saturday Night Live wrestling and died of a heart attack. It killed her. She, really, she died. And um, you think, where can you witness? You can go anywhere. I have tra traveled a thousand miles to witness somebody. Somebody asked me if I would go see somebody in another state. I said, sure. So they bought my plane ticket and sent me to a place in Oklahoma, I think it was. And I got there and I got a chance to witness this person. I led him to the Lord and then I went back. And so another guy by the name of Jerry Burt, he was out there and he, his daughter was uh, Peggy Burt. And she came through the ministry there, but uh, he was uh, in charge of getting me to speak in different places. He worked with the Christian Businessmen Association, and so he had openings. And so he would fly me to Utah, and I'd go to Utah and, and witness to Mormons and uh, fly me back. And later on, he kept going up there so much, he wound up leaving his wife and married a Mormon. He became a Mormon. <laughs> and uh, so sometimes you have to watch, you know, getting too... Too close to listen to what everybody says. And, or maybe she was just pretty. I don't know. I never did see her. But as you go through the scriptures, you find out all the, the strangest things that happen. And so he wind up getting this uh, person to trust the Lord. Look what he says here in verse 29. He says in verse 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, join thyself to this chariot. 
Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet. Now, isn't it like the Holy Spirit led him, told him where to go, led him to the right person, and it was just a coincidence. Just a coincidence. Does God know when somebody's seeking and how to bring somebody together? We call it the providence of God. And lo and behold, he says, what are you reading? He says, I'm reading from Isaiah 53. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. He was reading from the scripture, and he, found that he was reading about Jesus Christ. He says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I except some man should guide me? He needed somebody to guide him. See, soul winners are just people who guide somebody. Tell them how to get to a place. You want to go to heaven? So how do you know if somebody's lost? Well, simple. You ask them, where are you going to die? And, and I don't know. How are you going to get to heaven? I don't know. Well, if you don't know, you must be lost. What are you going to do? You're going to explain to them. Explain how they can have eternal life. So he goes through, and sure enough, the guy trusts Christ as Savior. But you'll notice now. Look at chapter 9, chapter 9, verse 20. Where are various places you can preach the gospel? Well, you can preach it in the city. That's what he did. Oh. And then he preached it in the desert. This is where I left Lee Patton, remember? Because <laughs> there, there must have been a Navajo Indian out there, Lee, that needed to be witnessed to. Was that near Shanto, Arizona somewhere? Or? Well, that's right there where the Navajos are. So there must have been a Navajo you're supposed to witness to. If you didn't witness to them, then you, you missed out. So you find that you can witness anywhere and in just about any time. Well, look what it says here in verse uh, 20. And straightway immediately he preached Christ in the synagogue. Now today that might be, well, he preached Christ in the church. You can preach it any place at any time. Look in chapter 10. Chapter 10 and look in verse 24. Chapter 10, verse 24. Now here's a man that was a Gentile. He wanted to know the truth. God knew who he was and knew where he was. And the Lord gave him a vision about, hey, you've got to get somebody to go and talk to this person. He, God said he was, a, he was a rock star. See there in verse 1 of chapter 10, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the Firehouse Five band. He called the Italian band. So he, I don't know if he played the guitar or harmonica, what he did, but he was in charge of a band. And so, uh, you see how you can read the scriptures and make it come alive? <laughs> well, anyway, he wanted to know the truth. Does God know where people are and who wants to know the truth? So he sent Peter, but he had to do a number on Peter. He had to work on him. Peter wasn't prepared to talk to a Gentile. So God had to give him a couple of little lessons, and so God worked on him. He sent him over there in verse 23. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with him and certain brethren. There were six Jews that went with him from Joppa and accompanied him. And the morrow after, they entered into Caesarea. And Cornelius awaited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. So he got everybody together because he wanted them to hear the words. And the reason for that, see there in verse 30, uh, 22. And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feared God, and of good report among all the nations of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. So he's going to tell them some words. The greatest thing you and I have is knowing the right words. The right words to say to the right person at the right time. And so he says here in verse 34, 
He says, then Peter opened his mouth. There's the biggest problem that most Christians have. They won't open their mouth. Oh, they talk about everything under the sun, but being a good soul winner, you've got to open your mouth. I said, well, I've had people say, well, it's better to see a sermon than to hear a sermon. But just seeing a sermon, nobody gets saved. They may marvel over you and your testimony and how wonderful you are, but do they know why you're doing what you're doing? Faith cometh by seeing? Hearing. Hearing. Well, good. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. So you've got to tell the word. Now, it's good to have a good, clean life so that your testimony doesn't overshadow the word or somebody not believe the word because of, well, the way you're living. So you've got to have a good Christian life to back up your testimony so that people will listen to what you have to say. And so he makes a statement, God is not a respecter of persons. And he give them, in verse 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel. He sent the word. And then it says in verse 37, that word I say you know. And then he talks about Jesus Christ in verse 38. Jesus Christ was the word. The word came into the world. So you cannot know the truth without knowing the word of truth. That's why he said whenever you want to be a sound person of a sound mind, sound mind comes because of sound doctrine. Sound doctrine comes because of sound words. You've got to have sound words to produce a sound doctrine so you can have a sound mind. And God hath not given unto us the spirit of fear, but of a love and power and of a sound mind. So you go down through here, and lo and behold, he talks to him about the resurrection and all that. And says in verse 43, now look at verse 43. To him give all the prophets witness, that through his name, whosoever keeps the Ten Commandments and goes to Calvary Community Church, pays 50% because of inflation, no, notice this is what the prophets in the Old Testament also taught. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever, they taught this in the Old Testament. This isn't a new message. Every man's always saved the same way, by faith in what Christ did, and he would receive remission of sins. Your sins are not taken away until you believe that he did. You have to accept the payment he made for you, and God can forgive you. Why? Because he's made a payment. Sins cannot just be forgiven. You have to have a payment made. And so he did that. And so while they heard in verse 44, while Peter spake these words, and they that heard the word, so the word must be important, and you got to pray for boldness like Peter did, uh, or Paul did, uh, might speak the word of truth with boldness, with confidence. And this is what God wants us to do. Now look in chapter 16. Chapter 16, you'll notice that... Um, there's a little story here. And look there in verse 13. Verse 13. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside. So, can you go witnessing down by the riverside? You ever heard that song? Down by the riverside, down by. So, you can witness uh, in the temple. You can witness on the streets. and You can witness in front of the council. You can witness... You study the book of Acts, you'll find that they witnessed everywhere. You think, well, everybody got to get saved at church. No. You can come together as a body of believers, learn a lot of truth. You go outside and drop your bombs, come back here and get fellowship. Ray used to talk about, you know, this year guy, you know, you, you, you fly over the enemy and you drop your bombs. And then you go back and have fellowship with your own people on your own side. This one guy, he dropped the bombs and took out some warships and so forth. And then he... 
broke through the clouds and went down there and he landed and he threw the cockpit back on the plane and got up and he says, boy, I really took care of them, didn't I? And they said, very good, very good, very good. <laughs> he, he landed on the wrong boat. He went back to the wrong people. That's why they disciples, they went out and they would witness, but they came back and they told them all that they did. So you've got to have that good Christian fellowship. And so here in the book of Acts, here's a lady. God did it for a man in a desert. And then one person by the riverside. That was important. And her name was Lydia. See there in verse 14? Certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. So it doesn't matter whether it's a man or it's a woman. Now think about this. In the book of uh, John in chapter 3, it says there was a ruler of the Jews named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews came to Jesus by night. He was a Pharisee. And he says unto Jesus, he says, um, uh, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou doest, that God be with him. And Jesus says, I am very impressed. He says, you must be born again. Oh, wait a minute. You must be born again. But he talked to a religious man at night. But he talked to a sinful woman in the middle of the daytime. Now, you don't want to reverse that. There's things you need to be aware of. It's okay to talk to women. It's okay to talk to bad women. But you better do it in the daytime, in a public place. And uh, so you got to be careful. So did he talk to a woman? Yeah, talk to the woman as well. He said, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. And she says, evermore, give me this living water that I didn't come here for. And so he gave her some living water. Did you know that when he was talking to the woman at the well, the disciples had gone into town to Burger King, McDonald's, get them something to eat. Jesus says, I have meat to eat, no, not of. In other words, there's something else that satisfies me more than eating at Burger King or McDonald's. And then the 12 disciples came back. And when they came back, this woman went to the very same city that the disciples just came out of. And she went and told him, says, you ought to come and see this guy I know. He told me all the things that ever I did. This has got to be the Messiah. Wait a minute. The disciples had just left there. They had just come back. How many did they bring with them? One woman did more than all the disciples. Now, a bad woman. She went and told the men. I don't think she told the women. She went and told the men. And the men came out to here. So you see, God can get glory out of one person. That one woman got greater results than all of the disciples who went to the same city.